this morning. I like to do thought experiments. The reason I like to do them is they're pretty cheap. If you'll just allow me to get into your brain for a moment, set you up to a certain way of thinking, I think we can have some fun. Let's pretend it's World War II, and we are all in Germany right now. I know, not the best place to be in World War II. And you got a house and you got a family. But inside that house and family, you have some Jewish people. Now, if you know your history, you know they weren't the most popular folks in World War II. So here you are, you're having your little meal, you got your Jewish friends there. And there's a knock on the door. You look out the little peephole, and it's the Nazis. And you tell your friends, hide. Hide. So you got a little hole in the floor, they go underneath, and you cover it up, you put your table on top, and you tell everybody, act normal. And you answer the door, and you do that weird salute. And the Nazi soldiers ask you, we hear you're hiding Jews here, is that true? What do you tell them? I want you to think about that. What answer would you give them? And then I want you to think about why you're answering that way. So for review, you're high, you got some Jews hid. The Nazis are there. We hear you got some Jewish people. Is that true? What are you going to tell them? And why are you going to tell them that? <clears throat> this is what we would call an exceptional situation. It's not a situation that you normally find yourself in. And what you're going to find out is sometimes when you're in these exceptional situations, things can work out differently. Now, if you're the philosopher like Immanuel Kant, Kant would say, you have to say yes and turn those Jews over. Knowing that those Nazis are going to put them in a concentration camp and ultimately kill them after experimenting or whatever. But if you're like me, and I'm a Christian, and I believe in the Bible, I'm probably going to look at those Nazis and say, no. I don't have any. And I know what you're thinking, but that's a lie. Well, in the ultimate sense, it is. But we're going to talk about this morning, and I'm going to try to be a good guy, not get up here and, and do cartwheels and preach. I'm going to try to teach you about exceptions. Say that with me, exceptions. Most of the time, exceptions really make us mad. Don't you hate it when somebody cuts in front of you in the line? Huh? Don't you hate it when you're at Walmart and some little millennial just cuts in front of you and just looks at you and smiles? <laughs> Hey, who do you think you are? Don't you hate it when you're driving down the road and you were a good driver? You got in the lane that the construction sign said to get into. But then some yahoo just comes speeding down and forces his way in front of you. Don't you hate that? And have you ever felt anointed by God just to tell them they were a number one, two, and a three? Sometimes you just hate it. You're like, who are you? Are you special? Well, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Brace yourself. Sometimes there's moments 
that are special. Now, before I get into this, let's look at some Bible. I want to share with you some scriptures that, uh, man, I have wrestled with for years. And if you don't agree with how I'm talking about this, we can still be friends. If you want to turn the Jews over to the Nazis, God bless you. But I'm not going to. So let's look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting at verse 1. This is a conversation. Let me elaborate. This is a conversation between God Almighty and the seer Samuel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Here's where it gets good. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. Now pay close attention. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Call Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show thee what thou shalt do and thou shalt anoint him whom I name unto thee. Let's elaborate. God's idea. Samuel, you have mourned Saul long enough. I've rejected him. He is a bad king. He's bad for my people. I'm taking the kingship completely out of his bloodline. Okay, God, how am I going to do that? You're going to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem, and you're going to anoint a new king. Here's where it gets good. I can't do that. I'll get killed. You got any Jews here? This is what God says. Take a sacrifice. Tell the king you're going to go sacrifice. And then when you get there, we'll find us a new king. What's going on here? I'm going to say the D word and you're not going to like it. Deception. You crack open any Bible commentary and every theologian and scholar will stumble and fumble and say, no, God is not deceiving. Yes, he is. But this is an exceptional situation. This is a situation to where evil has gotten so bad, sometimes those that are good have to do things that they don't normally do. Now, if you go back a few chapters, when Saul's anointed king, there's something they did. They sacrificed. So that sacrifice was going to have to be done. So all God is saying is, you're not going to tell him the whole truth. You're just going to tell him you're going to go sacrifice. Saul's going to say, okie dokie. And then when you get there, you're going to anoint a new king that I point out. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. We as apostolics got to be careful. Because sometimes we look at people and say, you will never ever have to do something and I've learned very quick you never want to say never and when it's quiet you're preaching 
See, if Saul would have been a good king, none of this would have happened. If there had never been an Adolf Hitler doing the evil that he did, there would never be a family having to hide Jews in their home. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we as Christians find ourselves in exceptional situations. You're a wife getting beat by a husband. You're a wife finding out that your kids are being sexually abused. You're a man watching somebody on the street getting beat up and treated rudely. And you're like, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. Well, I'm going to show you here something this morning. Sometimes God wants to gird your loins like a man and stand up and defend those other people that are created in the image and likeness of God. We're not supposed to be a church full of cowards and sissies, but we're supposed to be men of women that stand up and proclaim, this is right and this is wrong. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in a situation that you got to do things you don't like doing, but you got to know that God is with you in the shadow of death just like He is on a mountaintop of life. Woo, Honolulu, don't you want to go there? And the church said, Oh, deception's wrong. Count the times in the Bible when God said, Set up an ambush. What do pray tell is an ambush. The enemy was so great around them. It reminds me of what we're seeing on the news right now. The enemy just kept coming and coming and coming. And Israel's like, we can't do anything. And God says, take out the songbook, start singing. I'm going to set up an ambush. This is Second Chronicles, folks. What's an ambush? Anybody ever been in the military? You're a military man. Stand up and tell everybody what an ambush is. Surprise. Surprise. You know how they're surprising? They're wearing camouflage. You know what camouflage is? It's deception. God told somebody to hide in a bush and act like you're a bush. And there's always going to be that one hardcore apostolic that says, uh-uh. Huh? Do you think why them Christian men were in that bush? They're like, God, forgive me for being deceptive. God, forgive me. No, they're like, Lord, help me win this battle. Lord, help me win this battle. You know what the Bible says? Sometimes you got to compel people to come to church. That literally means you got to almost drag them in. Boys and girls, hear me tonight. We got to realize that we can't be pansies about this thing. We're fighting a devil that's real. We're fighting sin that destroys. We got to stand up and proclaim, greater is he that's in me. See, I want to preach, but I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to tell somebody, sometimes in life, you got to get your hands dirty. I pray for him. Okay, I'm so ahead of myself. Okay, let's say a guy breaks in my house. And he beating my kid and he beating and molesting my wife. And I'm just going to stand there and go, honey, I'm praying for you. <laughs> Interview me on this. Sir, why didn't you help your wife? Well, I prayed and God didn't do nothing. So, it was just God's will. 
Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 10. But when his, this is referring to Jesus, when his brethren were gone up, then when he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Jesus in camouflage. Do you know why he's in camouflage? Because he knows it's not his time. But he knows there's men there that want to make it his time. So scholars debate this. They're like, well, he took a different route. Maybe he did. He didn't go the normal way to town. Maybe he did. But if you keep reading, he was there and eventually lets them know he's there. So he's walking among the people. But he's walking among the people in a way that they don't know it's him. <gasps> he's like a spy. Sometimes God walks among you, you don't even know he's there. Hallelujah. Thank you. Sometimes God walks among you and you don't even know he's there. And do you know why? He's in disguise because he knows it's not his time to die, but the devil wants it to be his time to die. Ladies and gentlemen, if a man breaks in my house, how do I know that it's my wife's time to die? Unless the good Lord tells me. See what I'm going, you know what I'm going to do? That man going to have to kill me. I stand alone today. That man going to have to kill me because Jesus said I got a mission and ain't nobody taking this from me I'm giving it to them that's why he didn't jump off the temple because it wasn't time that's why he didn't do some of the things he was invited to do it wasn't time that's why Jesus was a smart aleck with some people saying woman it ain't my time and he knew they hated his guts he knew they didn't like the resurrections he knew he didn't like the miracles he knew they didn't like his teaching and he disguises himself because he's got to do whatever it takes to get to Calvary on his terms ladies and gentlemen sometimes we as the church we got to stand up and tell that devil you can throw anything you want to at us but we will do whatever it takes to get to revival. We will do whatever it takes to see our kids break through at this altar. We will do whatever it takes to have a healing and a miracle. I'm willing to sweat. I'm willing to bleed. I'm willing to fast. I'm willing to pray. Whatever it takes. Jesus in camouflage. But of course the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. Hear me. Murder is always killing. Would you agree? But killing is not always murder. But sometimes we can't separate that. And I'm not telling you to go start walking with a gun around East Liverpool and trying to save people by shooting them. That's not what I'm saying. You're, I'm not calling you to be Batman. Here's the root of everything that makes a lie bad. Selfishness. A liar is trusting in the fact that we as humans have to tell the truth more than we lie or society breaks down. 
So this is what makes a liar bad. A liar comes in and takes advantage of your truthfulness, your innocence, and dare I say sometimes your naivety. He takes advantage of it. He'll tell you what you want to hear. That's why if you don't know somebody, communicating with them on your phone without meeting them is a horrible, horrible thing. Let me talk to you ladies. You want to know what moves women? And I'm not trying to mansplain anything to you. I've been married 30 years, and I've learned, if I can say the right words, my wife is like hot butter in my hand. Love you, sweetie. And do you know what she tells me to do all the time, brother? She's like, write me a note. If I write her a note, there's not going to be a no come out of her mouth for the next hour at least. If I write her a good note, she's going to put it in a box and every now and then take it out and read it to me say, remember this one? And if I realize maybe that there's some things I want to do around the house or there's just some things that I want to do and she looks like she's going to give me, you know, the front line defense, I just go scribble some stuff on paper. Can't tell you what to write, though. Hide it somewhere and make her find it. I don't give it to her. I hide it. But I put it in places I know she'll be. And then when she finds it, I can see by the look in her eye, she found it. She wants a hug. She wants a kiss. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Oh, he sought me and he bought me. Words. Let me tell you what these idiots called men are going to do. They're going to give you the words that you want to hear, and they're going to be lying through their teeth and lying through their fingers when they text you every word. There is a bad side of lying. But every now and then you got to stand up in an exceptional time and you got to make an exception like the illustration I gave you earlier and you got to choose. Am I going to let them die for just being a Jew? Or am I going to do what I can to defend them? The greater good is at stake. When Jesus is walking through there in a disguise, the greater good's at stake. You want to know what the greater good is? Your salvation, my salvation, and the future of history is on his shoulders, and he's doing whatever it takes. That's why sometimes you got to do whatever it takes to get your kid out of trouble. You got to walk in his room and tear those posters off the wall, throw his game system in the trash and tell him you live in my house and as long as you're in my house you're going to live by my rules and I will defend your soul to the death Uh, I got a nine year old he's a great kid we don't have any problems with him but my wife and I have already had conversations as he becomes a teenager there may be some drastic things we got to do but when you love you're willing to do those drastic things when you love you're willing to go the extra mile church I want to know are you willing to go the extra mile to reach a soul to touch a life to help somebody oh let's move on John Chapter 15, verse 13, verse we quote so much. Easter's coming up, you're going to hear this till you're sick of it. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Who lays it down? The man. If you haven't heard a pin drop yet, you're getting ready to. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say it blunt, and give me time to explain. I do not believe all forms of suicide send you to hell. feel like a man cured of constipation. I do not believe all forms of suicide will send you to hell. 
Let's go back to, we've all seen the war movies. There's a grenade thrown in a foxhole. A man grabs his helmet, falls down on top of it. He willingly chose to die to save somebody's life. If that man was a Christian, I do not believe what he just did will send him to hell. Because greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. You want to know who put Jesus on the cross? Jesus. We can say that we put the nails in his hand, but he told them, I lay it down. I lay it down. Now, I'm doing it because of your sins. But your sins aren't making me do it. Let me tell you something. Read the Bible. I'm getting ready. This is not heresy. Jesus forgave sins before he ever spilled one drop of blood. He did not have to die on that cross. You want to know why he did it? Greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. The God of heaven robed himself in dirt and walked among us and hung on a cross and died just to let you know I love you he was forgiven sins because it was not the miracle that ticked him off it was the fact that he forgave sins who are you to forgive sins only God can forgive sins winner winner chicken dinner that's who he was he didn't have to die on the cross. He was forgiven sins. Everybody debates over this theology of, of soteriology and salvation. Was it penal? Was it this? Was it that? I'll tell you what it was. It was love. You know what's going to motivate me to defend my family? Love. If you can't stand up for your family, you don't love them. If you can't get off your lazy butt and go to work and help your family eat and wear clothes, you don't love them. We wonder why we can't stand up for nothing because we're so selfish we only take care of ourselves. It's in the theology and the doctrine today. I don't mean to be mean, but what's the title of that Joe Osteen book? Your best life now. Your best life now. We don't stand up for people because we're too busy looking out for number one. And that's why that great generation of World War II that was willing to put it all on the line to make sure evil was slain and didn't come to our country. We're not going to see a lot of that anymore because we're weak-minded. We don't have spines. We're putty. We don't defend our families. We don't defend our children. We don't defend the faith. We don't defend nothing but what we want. Look at your prayer requests. Your prayer requests aren't really for your family most of the time. They're for you. The only sick person you're concerned about is you when you're sick. Don't be that way. Remember, God put us here as a family. God put us here in His image. Not just me, but everybody. And we have a call. And we have a moral obligation to stand up and help one another. The scariest picture I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen a few. I should have I should have downloaded that and had it on the screen. It still scares me. I saw it on a news report the other day. It still still scares me. You got Winston Churchill, President Roosevelt, and Joseph Stalin sitting together. In case you don't know your history, Joseph Stalin's Russia. Hardcore Russia. He killed in the name of atheism, so many of his own people. But at that exceptional time, 
There was another tyrant by the name of Adolf Hitler. And he also had, thanks for that update. I'm keeping an eye on the clock. And he also had another buddy named Mussolini and others that were taken over. And as an exceptional time, they had to come together. And they had to work together. Well, some of your homes right now, you're having exceptional times. You're having hard times. And some of your wives can't get your husband's support. And some of your husbands can't get your wives' support. And some of you can't get your kids' support. And some kids can't get their parents' support. And if we can't get it in the home, we're not going to get it in the nation. You've got to realize this is not my time to die. This is my time to fight for the will of God. I'm not going to roll over. I got a little chihuahua at home with my wife. I don't claim it. My wife's got a chihuahua at home, and when I get close to it, it just instantly rolls over on his back and shows me his belly. And if you get too close and haven't been out in a while, it'll show you this trick it can do with water. My son's the only kid I know. <laughs> He's going to kill me. My son's the only kid I know that went to pick that dog up one day and got blasted in the eyeball. It was hilarious. <laughs> But that's how we are sometimes. When the bills come in, boom, our belly's up. Hard times come in, boom, our belly's up. we got to learn how to scratch, claw, dig, and do whatever it takes. These are exceptional times. These are the last days. And if a church is going to have revival, it's going to have to come to church every day and act like it wants revival. The only church that grows daily is the church that is a daily church. Now, I know there's a lot of views and opinions on what's going on in the world today. And you have yours, and I'll have mine. But sometimes as Christians, we think that God has called us all because of that turn-the-other-cheek stuff. We think that means i got to sit here and take it. You know how many women just... Just in the 30 years of my ministry, and a lot of that was spent pastoring. You know how many women I've looked at, they did not get out of an abusive relationship because of that turn the other cheek and the, and the, the way the preacher preached about uh, divorce and separation? Well, folks, there are exceptions. <laughs> we just moved out here, as you know, from Montana. So a few months before I moved, there's this guy I know. Now he's, he's a very cynical guy, and he had these Bible tracts. He says, I went down to this church, and he said, I had to take these. Look at what it says. And on the cover of the Bible track was a question. Who would Jesus execute? And he's cracking jokes. And I said, well, you realize that's probably a track about their stance on the death penalty. Oh, but still, Jesus wouldn't execute anybody. Just like that, I said, if you offend one of them little ones, put a millstone around his neck and throw him in the sea. Jesus, red letters, check it out. See, we want this lovey-dovey Jesus who's almost gay. We sing about, I want to put my head on your chest and feel you breathe in my hair. And there's a lot of men saying, I ain't going back to church. Huh? We want to talk about him reaching down and kissing me. What happened to that old time, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord? What happened to that? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. What happened to a pastor going to a man and saying, Hey, if you really love God, you take care of your family.
Yeah. This will probably be the last time I preach for a while. (laughs) 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 He agrees. (laughs) Uh, We're we're pains. Now, I'm not saying be mean, but I grew up in an abusive home. The man that played the guitar on the platform, he, he, he fed me my own feces one night. And people told me after we got out of that, you know what people told me? They said, oh, we knew. We knew he's bad. And you know what this little guy was thinking? Well, why didn't you help me? Well, I got I to keep my nose in my own business. That's the only time you kept your nose in your own business. We don't mind putting our noses in other people's business as long as it only involves texting and phone calling. But when it means actually standing up and doing something, oh, no, I can't get involved. I can't get involved. You know right here in the United States, women on the streets of New York City, have been raped and killed on the sidewalk, and people just walk right by and see it and not do a thing. Check the newspapers. It happens. And you know what a lot of those people, they went to church on Sunday and talked about there's power, power. Let me tell you something. You know what's wrong with the world? Nobody wants to stand for anything. And if you don't stand for anything, you're going to fall for everything. And that's why it's time we stand up and say there is a right and there is a wrong. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. And sometimes you got to stand up and preach things that hurt just to remind everybody there is a right and there is a wrong. And occasionally you got to do things that look angry and look vicious because you're reminding people there is a right and there is a wrong. But preacher, God is love. He doesn't want to hurt. Have you ever been to a dentist? I take, I and my wife take our... Son, we, 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 you know, he came to us when he's about five, and we've been taking him to the dentist now for almost five years. And do you know what that dentist does? He sticks him with needles in his mouth. And do you know what my son does? He fights it. Now, should I stand up and go, I'm going to touch you. Don't freak out. Should I stand up and go, oh, doctor, you're evil. Don't hurt my son. No, if I let that cavity go, he's going to hurt worse. Uh, You know how many doctors have gave him shots? Let me show you how, let me show you how, how afraid we can be of what we need. You know, my son, I would like to goof around. And when we was living in Indiana, we had him a cake, and uh, I shoved his face in the cake. He thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. He'd walk around with chocolate and vanilla all over his face. When my wife comes in, you know, it's getting late. He's got school. She's like, you get in the shower now. you got to clean up. I can't believe it. Blah, 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 blah. Love you, honey. So, <laughs> I'll get you a note. <clears throat> so, he goes in the bathroom, and he wants to see his face. Now, he's, he's really little. He's like five, six years old. And my wife says, you get in the shower. But I want to climb up here and look at my face. Get in the shower. Okay. She stepped out for two seconds. I hear a scream. Then I hear my wife scream. I come in. He has no clothes on. He climbed up on the counter. And he slipped and fell. And the corner caught him. Caught him in a place no man wants to be caught. And ripped him all the way up here. Now, when I come in the bedroom, my wife's holding him. And I see, 
I mean, I see parts of the anatomy I ain't never seen before. And he's screaming, ah! But this is just how we are, folks. He's screaming, ah! And I yell, we're taking him to the ER now. That boy quit crying. Everything's ripped open and coming out. He quit crying, looked at me and went, Dad, what are they going to do? That's how we are. We come to church. We sit at home, and we come to church, and we cry, and we mumble and complain. Preacher gets up and preaches. You need to get down this altar and repent. We're like, we quit crying. We quit complaining. Yeah, but, but that means i got to change. Well, guess what? You want to know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over and thinking you're going to get different results. You need to get to a church. You need to realize I live in exceptional times. I live in the last days. The enemy's coming in with every trick in the book. And I need to stand up and fight and declare my victory. Let's get to Luke. I'm getting off subject. I'm sorry. Let's get to Luke. Luke 22. I'm almost done. Luke 22. Look at verse 36. This is from the same Jesus that said, Turn the other cheek. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Say what? Jesus told him, I'm getting ready to leave. Things are going to change. I used to send you out with nothing. Now you better get your money together. Now you better get your stuff together. And you better get ready to protect it and take it with you. And if you don't have a sword, sell some of your pretty clothes and go buy them. What's going on here? Dying as a martyr is one thing. But when you travel down these roads that the Bible traveled on and Jesus reflected them in his parables, there were thieves and robbers around every corner. Jesus believed in defending yourself. Now you want to see another verse that all these scholars fumble over? It's that one in Luke. I stayed up last night reading commentary after commentary, and they're all trying to explain. Now, that sword is a spiritual sword. Baloney. I'm going to say it. (laughs) I'm not against owning a gun, and I don't think the Lord is against you owning a gun. And I don't think the Lord is against you defending yourself. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Laying down your life for the gospel is one thing, but getting carelessly just mauled and manhandled by thieves and robbers, no. You got to know your time. You got to know why you're here. Peter, you're getting ready to blow the doors off this thing on Pentecost. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Defend yourself, not just spiritually, but physically. If some of you would physically defend your families as much as you pray for them, you'd see some change. I had a guy, Pastor. He, he was a druggie. He was in jails. He got sent off to jails. I'd drive up and visit him. His wife and his family were just praying all the time. Finally, he hit rock bottom, came to church, repented, got the Holy Ghost. Then he had to go serve out a pretty long sentence, about a year. I'd drive all the way out of state and see him as much as I could. When he came back, he had a great personality. Kids loved him. Everybody there knew his past. Everybody was supporting him. But then his wife, and I'm not trying to pick on gender. This is just the way it worked. But then his wife got mad because he wasn't changing as fast as she thought he should. She called me up. <laughs> Brother Corsi? Yes. As you can tell, I was always excited to talk to her. Yes. He still says bad words around the house. 
He's not even been a Christian a year yet. I don't care. That Holy Ghost should change him. Don't you remember how bad he was? How he gave you black eyes? And that man never went off on her. He used to beat her. He used to beat her, and now she's in his face. And he just sit there and cry. He'd pick me up, take me out. He'd say, bro, of course, I'm trying, but there's just some things I, I'm, just, I'm just wrestling with. But you know what? She thought, oh, I got in church, and I gave it up like that. So is he. Some people take just a little bit longer. Did you hear that pen hit that carpet back there? Some people take just a little bit longer. Oh, I bet there's pastors right now, and I'm going to say it, and if you get mad, you get mad. I bet there's pastors out there that's got homosexuals in their church that have prayed through, got the Holy Ghost, been baptized. God's working on them, but they're still fighting urges. And those pastors need to work with them and not give them the boot. Well, hallelujah, praise the Lord, God bless. These are tough times, and God's going to send people to us that have potential. But we have got to be patient and let that coal get turned into a diamond. And this is essentially what Jesus is telling them. You've got to be willing to defend, and you've got to be willing to fight, because you've got to get from point A to point B. You've got to do whatever it takes. And that's why as the head of my house, and that's why as the leader of my family, I've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure we keep Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Sometimes you've got to get mean. I bet none of you husbands have ever told your wife off, have you? And I bet none of you wives have ever told your husband off, have you? I love it when I'm in a Walmart and there's this big burly man, got this little bitty woman, and she's just giving him the right act. Get down here, Rufus. I got something to tell you. That's love right there. This love or stupidity, I don't know. But he just... Sits there and takes, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You watch these big, burly men. They're tough. They got tattoos of the devil and his cousins on their arm. They ride a Harley that was straight out of the pits of hell, and then they have a little baby, and they're sitting there having tea parties. Huh? That's love. And if you go in there and try to hurt that child, he will remind you what's tattooed on his arm because he's going to send you to see him. That's the way we have got to be. God gave us this, and we will fight to defend it. I, I am very, very, very upset to see women that are more concerned about their body than the child that grows inside of them. Oh, that's not a child, that's a fetus. Haven't you heard science prove it's a fetus? So in order to become a human, you have to make this magical trip down an internal tube and when you pop out, bing, you're human. No, you're human in there too. But we're so selfish today. The Bible says, in the, way back in the Old Testament, there'll even be a sword within and without. And there's a sword within right now because mothers do not want to stand up for their children. They'd rather go out and party, have fun, be themselves. And in a world like that, you better be careful. There was a guy back in the early 
ministries of the church. They had to excommunicate him. This is some of the reasons why there were councils like Nicaea. Everybody was getting these wacky ideas about God. His name was Martian. He said Jesus should have nothing to do with the God of what we would call the Old Testament. Because the God of the Old Testament's mean. The God of the Old Testament sends floods. The God of the Old Testament is judgmental, angry, and jealous. Jesus should have nothing to do with that. We should completely divorce what we're going to call the New Testament from the Old Testament. You know why? Because in their mind, they can't imagine a God that would actually say, hey, you're in trouble. And right now, we're living in a world that don't want to hear, you're in trouble. Well, sometimes preachers got to preach, if we don't change, we are in trouble. One of the first historians, he lived hundreds, hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. His name was Herodotus. This is what he said. This is what a man told a king Hundreds of years before Jesus, if you do this, the people will not revolt against you. Lay upon them commands as follows, in order that they may not revolt nor be a cause of danger to you. Forbid them to possess weapons of war, but bid them to put on tunics under their outer garments so they won't look like a slave. And loafers on their feet. And proclaim to them that they train their sons to play the lyre and the harp and to be retail dealers. Soon you will see, king, that they have become women instead of men, so that there will be no fear that they will revolt. If that ain't today, I don't know what is. Take away their weapons. Give them nice soft clothes. Get them all wrapped up in music and entertainment and commerce. And you will take the man out of the man. And they'll never revolt against you. You want to see somebody throw a hissy fit? Don't give them your password to the Wi-Fi when they come over. You want people to come visit your grave when you're dead? Make it a Wi-Fi hotspot. Huh? You want to see kids throw a fit? Take away their electronics. You want to see anybody throw fit? Take away their electronics and their music. The devil uses music to pump so much anger and rebellion into people. My child came home from school. They were teaching them to square dance. What that's got to do with PE, I got no idea. But they were teaching them to square dance to something called Old Town Road. So I look up Old Town Road because I hear him humming a lyric. And part of that lyric says, you can't tell me nothing. I pulled him aside and said, you're not listening to that anymore. You hear me? What's wrong with it? Because you're five and I will tell you something. He's never listened to it again. He'll come tell me today. Dad, I was around somebody that was playing it and I told him, I ain't supposed to listen to that. Good boy. Good boy. But we got a world today that don't care. We're soft. The only thing we fight for is our entertainment. The only thing we fight for is our right to not fight. The only thing we stand up for is for people to leave us alone. Well, you poor baby, there's a world out there that's getting angrier and angrier. And the only thing that's going to help them is a good dose of the Holy Ghost and the love of God. But that's not going to happen until we stand up and start proclaiming what what Jesus says. You think you're bad because you can kill or chug a big old bottle of alcohol? Let me tell you what bad is. Bad's getting your life practically beat out of you, thrown into the center of a dungeon, 
And then looking up at the sky and starting to sing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water. And then the earth starts shaking. The jail opens up. And the apostle Paul and Silas look at the jailer who's going to kill himself. and said, ain't no need for that. We all here. Jailer's like, what happened? Let me tell you about Jesus. And the very men that beat his back are now praying through the Holy Ghost. That's a man. You want to know what a real woman is? A real woman is not some lady out there that can entertain multiple men. She's nothing but a pit that'll take you to hell. A real woman is somebody that stays at home and teaches her daughters this is what a lady is. A lady is someone that loves the Lord and ain't ashamed to take care of her family and be there for her family when they need her. I don't know about you but I'm ready to see a world turn back to what they need. But they will never do that until the church starts turning back to what it needs. So I say this in closing. If somebody wants to come up here and start playing something so I'll shut up. Oh, send my wife. Yeah, she's going to play loud right now. <laughs> she's going to beat it with her elbows. Bing, bing. Being a Christian doesn't mean you have to be a sissy. Doesn't mean that. Now I'm not saying be a rebel rouser. And I'm not saying go around looking for a fight. You don't do that. But sometimes you'll find yourself in a position to where you may have to stand up to people and say, hey, there's a right and there's a wrong. And I don't care how this changes your opinion of me. I'm standing up for what's right. I'm standing up for what's right. Let's stand.